Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. Alright, let me go ahead and get this turned down. What's going on everybody? It's your boy A-Double and you're now tuned in to episode 179 of Do-Rags and Boat Shoes. Uh, much love and respect to everybody out there who's been fucking with the old episodes of the podcast. I see y'all out there. I'll be getting those notifications that y'all be listening to the older episodes as far as looking at the numbers and listens and things like that. So I know that y'all missed me. Um, it's just, uh, just very hectic. Uh, not hectic in a bad way but just busy just trying to figure out how do i work on my passions while still you know being a great father great husband and you know going to my nine to five which is more like a you know a eight to eight you know 12 to 14 hours a day um but i'm here i'm here i'm rocking with y'all i'm figuring this shit out and i appreciate y'all for being here with me and um just kind of fell off a little bit just uh trying to get everything in order as far as scheduling and things of that sort but y'all got me here i'm here now uh napa nina she's upstairs taking a nap so she'll probably be asleep for a couple hours so i'm gonna come down here record and then when she wakes up we'll probably play on the play mat some more and watch some uh the not too late show with elmo because she loves looking at his red ass and she gets hyped looking at him and she just turned five months today which uh time is flying by time is just flying by like it's just a blur like i feel like we just brought her home but man it's getting crazy we just started uh daycare for her we have her going to a great facility and it's a state ran facility so everybody's like cpr trained and you know they have to keep their certifications up and uh she gets a report card sent home like a progress report sent home every day with you know how much she ate the activity she did how many dirty diapers she had so uh it's really a great place uh those sisters really do a great job um you know they this whole covid thing is crazy because i know it's killing my wife because with this remote learning stuff um because she's a teacher um she could actually you know if this covid shit wasn't going on she could pop in and check on napa um you know doing her lunch breaks and stuff like that but um yeah she's she's doing good uh she likes the staff there um and she's she she has a friend there um and they enjoy like tummy time together and you know story time and being sung to like nina really loves being sung to like she'll start you know trying to sing with you and stuff if you start singing with her and she just that's one of her favorite things i can't sing for shit but i'll be trying and she she appreciates the effort uh but let's go ahead and get started on that good old summer damn jam screen um who is pro black so there's this organization here in omaha called pro black and it's p-r-o-b-l-a-c and um let me pull this up real quick 
um, it's, it's, it stands for progressive. That's what the pro mean. Black led ally coalition. It says we are no justice, no peace personified in Omaha. So I don't know who runs this. Uh, I just know there's been a lot of protests going along, going on around the city and things of that uh, sort, especially uh, what happened with that brother uh, just yesterday, uh, Jacob Blake, or just happened what, a couple days ago or whatever, um, or it might have just happened yesterday. Um, this was a man up in Kenosha, uh, was that Wisconsin, I believe, or was it Washington? I think it was uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's what I think it is. Let me pull it up real quick yeah wisconsin i'm right and um and so there's been a lot of protests here going on and uh especially for uh james scurlock too may that brother rest in peace uh still trying to figure out what's going to go on with this grand jury um but i don't i just don't know who this group is that's that, that just has me puzzled puzzled because I can't really see anything about them like the Facebook page that they have is very vague and the um, the uh, website is very vague but I just don't want this to be some uh, sort of performance activism going on you know what I'm saying I want to see us out here producing justice and if that's what uh, you know they plan on doing absolutely go ahead and do it um, but I just don't want this shit to be a fad. You know, so many times this just seems like performance art, you know, uh, with all these protests going on and shit like that. Or people getting out their emotions and then they just going on about their business or they just uh, out here speaking on slogans like defund the police or abolish the police. But nothing is actually happening about that. I know the city council. A city council president uh, here in Omaha, he proposed taking almost $2 million from the budget of the police budget and putting that into uh, mental health resources and other community resources, which is amazing. But I don't think that passed. Um, and I know the mayor, Mean Jean Stothert, she was uh, kind of pissed about that um, just because so much of our budget goes into policing. And people always think that... Um, you know, uh, the police being funded so much is to um, terrorize black folks. And it, it is it's to up with us is to uphold, not withhold, but uphold uh, races, the system of racism, white supremacy. But they're also debt collectors, too. You have to remember that when it comes to the police, the uh, sheriffs, um, you know, uh, the, the police and the sheriffs, uh, the county police, um, the uh the um the officers that run the jail i can't think of their names right now uh but you just think about that they collect money for the city for the uh the state troopers also are in there with the sheriff so you for the they collect money for the city the uh county and the state and that's what they do they prey upon people to collect those fines uh put you in jail you know and then you have to pay bail and um you know that's what it's all about is just collecting money to keep the state running or to keep the county running or to keep the city running so not only does it uphold the system of racism white supremacy but it preys upon people too to keep collecting money for the um for the city for the county and for the state so you have to remember that too and um i remember i just used to think that cops used to just fuck with us on the north side you know down north um just because we were black and uh, because it's such a controlled, uh, a poor area, 
but uh poorly controlled area and there's so many so much poverty here down north but uh since i've been working in a different county in a white flight county i work out in sarpy county so i have to drive you know almost half an hour to to work um what i've found out is is it's is pretty much the same in uh sarpy county too they be pulling over them white folks left and right like you have the uh the sheriffs and the um police the sarpy county sheriffs and you have the like the la vista police and the ralston police they just be camped out pulling over people left and right and it's basically to keep the city running to collect funds to keep the city running and then how they how they uh you know implant you know cops and sheriffs you know thinking that they're doing a good job is because they hold they held they hold these contests you need to write this many tickets per month uh and then they hold little contests and bullshit like that and put that battery in their back like they're actually doing something and keeping the streets safe and it's just nope you just need to collect money for the city and for the county and i and to this day it still shocked me to see you know so many white folks pulled over it was just yesterday on my route and i seen a, a sheriff he had like three cars pulled over and all of them was white women and i was like god damn but that's just how it is and you can tell like with the sheriffs they're out um pretty much uh the first week of the month and then those last two weeks of the month so you have about you know a week week and a half to just kind of you know drive how you want to drive you know go five above the limit or whatever but that first week they be out tough and they be out so tough in sarpy county like when you start when you're heading westbound on i-80 there's a bridge over q street and there will be a motorcycle cop right there uh with his radar gun aiming down on the uh 80 east or 80 west traffic just depending on where the um the cop is located the sheriff is located and that sheriff will be will put will they will work together and pull them motherfuckers over you see what i'm saying like he'll shoot from the top and then he'll you know radio over or some shit like that and then next thing you know you're getting pulled over like they just be out there tough and it's they just debt collectors they're glorified debt collectors with a glock that's pretty much what it is but um this whole pro-black thing um and i'll talk about it a little bit later um we have to this is like always the first step is the protest and then the second step is to always you know start pulling resources together to making to pull resources and then either create a super PAC or get politicians in your back pocket or rent start renting them right so you gain garner the attention maybe throw up a gofundme or some kind of thing where you can garner uh financial support just so you can keep the movement going to the next step you can't be in the street hollering all this time right and so you're garnering attention so once so now you got the attention you just can't have no mush mouth nigga on tv talking about, uh um i um uh, um uh, uh, defund the police you know just speaking in slogans or you get these uh these negroes who want to be so-called leaders and all they want to do is talk about 
events that specifically happened to them as opposed to the oppressed group that they're trying to represent well i remember i got pulled over and blah 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 and it turns into a whole therapy session and shit like that because they just want to get their pain out and you know they want people to you know clap hey man oh man that's fucked up you know they're looking for some sympathy and empathy instead of just speaking truth to power you know what i'm saying they turn it into a whole therapy session once they get a stage and all this other shit and then when it comes to demands you start speaking in slogans you know what i'm saying so that next step is to you know pull your resources together get some uh some some mana uh some money together and so you can keep the movement uh, going and so you can start you know funding you know different politicians who will push your agenda and that's the one thing that we forget but once you're in that that uh that second step of pulling pulling your resources you actually have to sit down go through data and come up with a plan of what you actually want to see you can't just go with this vague ass defund the police it just can't be that vague you know what i'm saying it has to be okay we need to take this the you can look back five years ago like okay the police ran on this budget it increased you know uh one to three percent from 2015 to 2020 okay why did they need to do that you know then you start comparing arrests from those five years ago you know leading up to 2020 and did they actually make the streets safer where did that money go and then how can we take a small percentage of that money you know because they ran on this budget at this time and you find a year that's comparable to this year and show like hey the budget was this much less and they made this amount of arrest and all this or deterred this much crime so you can actually keep running at this and blah 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 we could take this money and build a mental health facility here or we could start having more mental health professionals within uh work with you know the omaha police department and you know work for the omaha police department and have a non-emergency or a mental health uh hotline or something that people can call when somebody is having an episode you see what i'm saying so it has to be that strategic planning you can't just speak in these slogans and shit like that so but i just got aware of pro-black uh back during the james scurlock situation so i was just kind of wondering you know who is this group i've been trying to follow them you know online but it's just very vague the online presence is very vague and it could be uh purposefully because they don't want you know too many digital footprints and i respect that so let me just give them the benefit of the doubt for now um and you heard me speaking about the sheriffs and things like that and the um the brother up in kenosha that jacob blake uh that brother was trying to break up he broke up a fight between two women the cops come and he just walks away like okay i'm done and these motherfuckers he's about to get in his car they shoot him in his back seven times seven times this black man is breaking up a fight and they're yelling at him i don't know why and then he's just like i'm gonna get the fuck on up out of here you know how you just be in a dramatic ass situation and then you just like i'm gonna just remove myself that's what it looked like they hot him in his back seven times uh the brother's going to live uh, he's still fighting some internal injuries they did not kill him but the word is that he is paralyzed from the waist down so that's fucked up and they did this right in front of his kids his kids were in the car so this brother's just trying to be a good samaritan break up a fight 
Then when it gets too dramatic, the police and shit like that, like, all right, I'm out this motherfucker. I'm out this bitch. You know, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna remove myself from this situation. It's getting too chaotic. You know, I don't want no smoke. And they just brought the smoke to them. And so you had these, uh, they, they've been burning down a lot of shit up in Wisconsin. And, um, what I wanted to talk about with these shootings and these killings when people start talking about defunding the police, um, there's been reports coming out of L.A. County about their sheriffs, um, basically about how there's gangs within the uh, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. OK, and there is a, a, a sheriff deputy by the name of Art Gonzalez. He uh, he kind of blew the top off of one of these gangs, uh, a gang called the Banditos. And um, basically, this was a group of Hispanic um, L.A. County sheriffs who were terrorizing their own people, terrorizing some brown folks and black folks. And they all have these uh, skeleton tattoos of, you know, somebody uh, of the skeleton wearing a sombrero and holding a pistol and some more shit. They all have these tattoos. And the thing is, once he tried to report that anonymously because the gang has been abusing and killing people, specifically Hispanic folks, and so i think that's part of the ritual to uh basically catch a you know catch a body meaning killing somebody or they are severely injuring somebody doing some shit like that then you get part of the gang and what's even wilder there's another gang out there in la county with the sheriff's department called the executioners and this is a group of white men who terrorize folks out there in the la county uh they have a similar tattoo but theirs is a uh, skull a skeleton with a nazi helmet and uh and like a nazi uniform and shit like that and nobody of color can join the gang and no women can join the gang so that's just a white supremacist group. And so I feel like they inspired those executioners, them Hispanics, to do the same thing. Because they're like, oh shit, we can't join that, so let's start our own gang. And so there's these little factions running around inside of uh, law enforcement, so-called law enforcement. And they're doing these uh, ritualistic killings to be initiated in a gang. So they're supposed to be out here preventing crime and they out here running as a crime unit themselves. So that when people start speaking about defunding the police, this is what the fuck they're talking about. And the FBI warned us years ago, uh, over a decade ago, about how white supremacist groups infiltrated law enforcement. Right. So it's called the Invisible Empire. You can't really find too much information about it. But this is basically um, white supremacists and uh, white extremists basically you know taking off the the clan robes the nazi uniforms the stars and bars you know the confederate flags and shit like that and they're becoming judges doctors lawyers police officers uh they're infiltrating the government on a local level state level and a federal level right so it's called the invisible empire to with to uphold racism white supremacy and i want y'all to pay attention during this election uh what we have going on right now because we know we have an outright white supremacist is not as subtle as past presidents uh with uh with uh, the cheeto in chief uh, donald trump number 45 so what you have to pay attention to is a lot of times they'll call the invisible empire the silent majority 
So I want you to just start looking that up and uh, because that's basically what happened in 2016 uh, with the voting to get uh, Trump in office. It was just remember so many people were shocked to see that 53 percent of white women voted for Trump, but they were part of the silent majority. You see what I'm saying? So many people were shocked. Like, oh, my God. Why did so many white women vote for this sexist, racist guy who was talking about he would grab women by the, the JJs and stuff like that? And he started seeing white women at his rallies having signs that said he could grab me by the pussy and or uh i seen uh, a couple of shirts where this white woman had uh, uh white women have arrows pointing down to there and said don donnie you can grab this anytime and shit like that so you just have to pay attention and that's where uh people of color more specifically black people we have to be on the same page and on code when it comes to actually producing justice because the silent majority, a.k.a. the Invisible Empire, has been operating it like for how long? There was a CNN article that came out that was talking about uh, black babies have a better chance of survival if they have a black doctor. So what does that tell you? What's going on with some of these doctors? Exactly. They're part of the Invisible Empire, right? So that's just something that we really just have to pay attention to. So, um, yeah, it's very real out here. And we really have to just start, um, you know, really paying attention to what's going on. We can't let the dominant society give us these fucked up ass choices when it comes to uh, presidential elections and local elections. We can't let people dictate our politics for us to give us a choice between diarrhea and constipation. You know, they want to give you stomach cancer or throat cancer. It's your choice. You know, do you want uh, COVID-19 or do you want HIV? You know, pick one, you know, you'll live. You might live longer with HIV, but, you know, you see what I'm saying? So we have to stop um, letting other letting the dominant society do the work for us and giving us these fucked up ass choices, which brings us to um the joe biden uh, uh kamala harris uh vp uh pick and so what we're seeing now is so many people are just kind of angry with the democratic ticket you got jim crow joe and kamala the cop you know she was the top cop in uh california you know arresting people for uh, truancy and just being harsh on folks out there and now you know people are saying that oh well we have to forgive that and then when it comes to jim crow joe we have to uh forgive the 94 crime bill that he was the author of one of the authors of just because of how wild the 90s were and uh, my thing is this um, I'm seeing a lot of infighting on Twitter between, uh, you know, at the blue check blacks and then the so-called uh, grassroots blacks or the uh, the anti blue check blacks. And um, this is my problem. Uh, the main debate, you know, is the crime bill of 94. And so, like, my issues with these so-called grassroots blacks is um, you have they're either too young to remember the late 80s through like i'm gonna say 97 98 99 or you had the ones that lived in the suburbs but found out their blackness in college and they trying to downplay how raw it was during the crack era you know what i'm saying you got the blue check blacks who are you know 
over sensationalizing or over hyping the crack era and it was a raw ass era but i just felt feel like both sides got it wrong so you got the blue checks is just you know they always go to the starter jacket um defense when they say oh there were so many people getting killed for their starter jackets and jordans and shit like that and then you have the grassroots blacks trying to downplay it you know they'll post a video of like some kind of world war scene is like oh this is supposed to be you know the black neighborhoods in the 90s and shit like that nigga shit was raw it was fucking raw don't downplay it and i just feel like both sides is getting it wrong right because y'all wasn't there like the shit was raw like i remember in junior high just where i lived at and it was a, just a crip dominated area <clears throat> and i and i told this story many a times before i was a huge bulls fan and a david robinson fan that's how i became a spurs fan but i was a huge bulls fan in the 90s and i had these team jump mans uh they read they were red and black and every fucking day i had to run home and change shoes so i wouldn't get clapped or get my ass whooped you know what i'm saying i hopped straight off the bus and i would have feet to butt running home and then it was just it was so much money in the 90s it was so much fucking money in the 90s in the streets that it was just a war zone it was so much money just from from hilltop dirty third um down to you know damn near carter lake for so i would say from carter lake to four eight niggas was just getting money just money in the 90s like money money like i'm talking like long money just off of crack and weed and motherfuckers wouldn't even living long enough to survive that shit you know what i'm saying to even enjoy that shit you know what i'm saying motherfucker come up you know in a couple days he's making you know five to eight thousand dollars in a couple days but he get clapped on a friday he's buried on a tuesday they got to use that money to put the boy down you know what i'm saying it was just so fucking raw here definitely here like i said from carter lake to 48 to 48 it was just so fucking raw on the north side and it was fucking raw on the south side too with them south family niggas you know what i'm saying over there and them south family projects now it's just all africans now who trying to be some fake bloods and shit like that and start their own shit over there but the shit was raw the shit was raw and i remember just so many community walks so many pastors and first ladies of the churches on the north side having so many kind of community events the mad dads being out on the streets we had a group called the mad dads and it was a group of black men who were basically you know out on the streets you know just talking to you know these hustlers these crips these bloods um just trying to get them all on the same page as far as you know just doing what's right um and not just being in this knucklehead bullshit but it was just it was so much money out here man it was so much fucking money out here like you would just see motherfuckers just have a full ass gold grill they would be parked up in front of a maple street liquor that's where i that that was the area i grew up my my area was from 36th and lake to fucking 38th and ames just between that <clears throat> so just 
seeing the money just at the Maple Street grocery. It was FNL when I was a kid. But you see a motherfucker pull up in a clean old school, or El Camino, or El Dorado, or something like that, or uh, or uh, um, a SS, a Super Sport, um, just clean as hell. Hop out two bad chicks you know with the updo like from the wop video you know what i'm saying just bad and just clean and then next thing you know a week later that boy done got clapped you know what i'm saying his his whole car just riddled with bullets and shit like that it was just it's man it was so much money and even before my little brother was uh born my mama was dealing with a fucking crack dealer who stayed out at them uh, hilltop dirty thirds i mean niggas was getting money and that's what i hate to see how people try to downplay how bad that era was because you also have to remember in the 90s um clinton during that clinton era a lot of blacks you know they started getting their shit together and they started you know migrating into these white flight areas it started getting a lot more quote-unquote progressive motherfuckers was really getting money you know what i'm saying like legally you know what i'm saying black folks were becoming more educated and they started that that great migration you know into these white flight areas that's how you get these blue check blacks and then some of these blacks who you know discovered their blackness in college you know what i'm saying because they parents kind of made that migration to them white only areas and shit like that uh you seen a lot of that during the clinton era because it was so fucking raw in black areas like it was raw like a, like from the 80s up until like 99 2000 2001 it was it was raw it was raw as hell and so with that 94 crime bill leading up to that crime bill like so i so i'm 83 so up until so about 92 93 you know you you in this motherfucking house i remember being a kid in the house hearing drive-bys dropping down to the ground you know what i'm saying motherfuckers just driving by just letting loose you know what i'm saying motherfuckers bold enough to come in another person's hood but the thing was it was just that flow of crack just came in and we too that's what i feel so bad about now because you know you have these white women on youtube just you know having weed cafes and just like oh i'm gonna show you this glunt this new glass blunt that i like to roll my hashies in and it comes with a personal grinder and all this other shit and you know so many people in prison right now or six feet deep you know for half a brick of weed for a couple of joints you know for a blunt or something like that somebody done lost their life you know over you know a quarter kilo you know what i'm saying a quarter key of weed weed not even hard cocaine not heroin not no pills not no water just fucking weed and you just see all these people just out here having weed cafes and shit and living it up and so with that 94 crime bill the streets was just so fucking raw that you had so many black leaders just just looking for like hey we need some fucking help out here you know what i'm saying because you know black boys and men were just dying at an alarming rate cops raiding motherfuckers houses uh beating the shit out of uh, niggas grandmas and shit like that because you know a lot of these dope boys stay with their grandmamas you know and shit like that or with their mamas you know cops busting in beating the shit out of them and shit like that mamas grandmas grandpas getting arrested because it's cracking the house and so they hitting them with the whole bullshit ass rico shit so you got you know big mama sitting up doing gotta do 15 years and shit like that so you just seen 
but I hate to see that shit on Twitter because it just felt like growing up as a kid, you didn't have no fucking choice, right? You just didn't have no fucking choice but to, you know, am I, am I going to, you know, be out here, you know, being a jack boy, you know what I'm saying, pulling jack moves and shit like that. That was the phrase back then, when you, you know, you would catch a motherfucking slipping is pulling a jack move and then or am I going to be out here slanging crack and shit like that or do I try to get my education and shit like that? Like you just you but you seen just so many OGs out here getting money, just getting crazy fucking money. You know what I'm saying? You seeing these clean old schools riding up and down the deuce, you know, riding up and down Ames Avenue and shit like that. So when motherfuckers be minimizing how raw the 80s and 90s were, you know, that's when I got to tell you to shut the fuck up because it was just raw as fucking hell. You know what I'm saying? Because it was so much money out here and motherfuckers been deprived of opportunity so it's just like okay i can slang these little yellow uh, rocks and i'm up here making money you know what i'm saying somebody can front me a sack you know what i'm saying and i try to cook up my own work i'm gonna fuck up the first pack because ain't nobody gonna show me but you know it is what it is it's a learning process you see what I'm saying? Everybody who tried to cook crack the first time, they fucked up their first pack. Unless you had somebody really there showing you. You know what I'm saying? Or you had tried to have a crackhead show you how to cook up some rock. And then next thing you know, you done fucking, you know, overboiled the mason jar and all this other shit. And then the shit is just frail and burnt up and you still trying to sell some burnt rocks. <laughs> I'm not speaking from experience. I'm just speaking from people who know, you know, how that first pack went. Um, but going back to this 94 crime bill, there were so many black leaders who just felt like that there wasn't an option. Right. But there were so many people who opposed it, too, because it got to the point where you just kind of foresaw that, OK, these are going to be harsher sentencing uh, between, you know, bullshit like uh, rock cocaine. So that ready rock, the crack rock and the powder cocaine and you just like the only fucking difference is some hot water and some baking soda like that's the only difference you know what i'm saying and then people tried to play it off like oh it's a more intense high uh than uh cocaine and all this other shit because you already because you smoking the shit so you inhaling the vapors as opposed to you know uh sniffing the, the pure cocaine so it gets into your blood system i guess you know the vapors vapors travel quickly so you get higher quickly you know what i'm saying you get higher quick more uh, faster i should say right but so you saw a white boy with a fucking eight ball an eight ball of uh powder this motherfucker might get hit with probation or some drug treatment but you got the homie over here he didn't got hit he didn't got four rocks on him that's it just four little ass rocks about the size of half a pebble but this motherfucker he's about to get you know five to seven years right on this first charge you know, see what i'm saying so there was many people opposing it but you had the leaders the so-called black leaders you know church leaders and shit like that um and community so-called community activists was like yo we out here on these front lines ain't nobody helping us and shit it's just like damn you know might as well lock these motherfuckers up you know what i'm saying they just kind of threw away the youth because niggas was wilding like straight up wilding out here you know what i'm saying but nobody was talking about how it was all due to the lack of resources 
and cramming motherfuckers all into one congested spot you know it's on top of each other and how you had to if you wanted a decent job especially here in omaha you know there wasn't shit on the north side you know you had to be working out west at some goddamn call center or some shit like that working out at the malls or some some bullshit like that catching a retail job out west or in some white flight area you know what i'm saying and and then you just like shit i could work you know so this was the 90s so i could work two weeks and i got a 500 dollars paycheck you know what i'm saying after taxes and shit or you know i could you know take this little 500 dollars paycheck get a get a get me a pack you know what i'm saying front it and i can turn this into two thousand dollars you know in a few hours you see what i'm saying so shit i'm gonna flip a pack you know what i'm saying but what came with that is you had these crackheads out here you know taking everybody's car stereos you know out here taking hopping in motherfuckers houses taking a vcrs and shit like that taking super nintendos taking sega genesis and shit like that snatching uh you know what i'm saying running up snatching trying to snatch niggas chains and shit like that i've seen so many crackheads get the shit beat out of them because they done ran up on a dope boy desperate trying to snatch a fucking chain you know what I'm saying? Getting the shit beat out of them. Damn near a mud hole stumped in them. But it just felt like we didn't have any options out here in these streets. So you had so many black folks just, you know, supporting that. Now, there was, like I said, there was opposition. But from my experience, it was so many black folks that supported, you know, being tougher on crime because motherfuckers was tired of seeing, you know, little. 12 13 year olds motherfuckers start jumping in the game you know before they even went to junior high school you know what i'm saying jumping in the dope game you know what i'm saying so it was just one of them things is like how do we save these babies and then you know you just thinking jail's the answer like okay more cops you start thinking like that you you know you get on that coon train like oh we need more police what about black on black crime and shit like that but it was just you you dumped so much money in the hood via illegal substances and motherfuckers was just getting money tax-free like it wasn't shit you know what i'm saying and then that gang culture was just so high in the 90s like that shit was raw as hell like right like now gang culture ain't as raw as it was you know you see crips out here wearing red you see bloods out here wearing blue and shit like that I didn't see the nigga get his ass whooped as a kid because he didn't have like some oranges, red shoestrings and some air trainers, some fucking Bo Jacksons get his ass whooped like the shit beat out of him. This was up at a uh, Bedford Market, just uh, damn near off the Ave, off 40th Ave. That nigga had some oranges, red color shoestrings and they beat the fuck out this nigga in front of some little Debbie snack cakes. You know what I'm saying? So it was just raw just being poor and you know growing up in the hood like i'm just speaking from experience so i hate to see online when motherfuckers just be trying to be trivial and try to say that the 90s wasn't raw you know what i'm saying the 80s wasn't raw like even the fucking 70s was raw before i was born when this shit was hair on you know what i'm saying when heroin was popping you know what i'm saying niggas was hitting that dope fiend lane but once that crack came in it was just so cheap you could get a little eight ball man you break that shit up you know what i'm saying split that shit out evenly get that baking soda in there and cook that shit up chop them rocks up small and you just out here just killing the shit you know what i'm saying you could get in the game with a fucking eight ball you see what i'm saying like you jump in the game for 500 bucks five six hundred bucks 
next thing you know it might have even been cheaper than that in the 80s but i know an eight ball going right now is damn near a rack but back then though you know what i'm saying you know five six hundred bucks you jump off in the game i know motherfuckers that was jumping off in the game you know flipping they ladies goddamn um <clears throat> child support you know what i'm saying from a nigga another baby daddy you know flipping that child support boom you in the game right now you see what I'm saying? There's stash houses all over the city. You know what I'm saying? Niggas was stashing crack at their grandma's house, great grandma's house, their grandpa's house and shit like that. And then, you know, you see whole families getting swept up. But it was just so fucking raw. People felt so fucking helpless, you know, during that time that, you know, motherfuckers just like, I support this shit. Fuck it. Fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it was just raids all the fucking time. I remember uh i used to stay off of work street and this is a uh, heavy heavy crip territory but there was this lady getting money queen pen drug queen and she's getting money just, just crazy money crazy money goddamn uh atf feds uh they all pulled up in them 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 blue suburbans they all pulled up in them navy blue suburbans with the blacked out windows raided her shit man took all this money and shit this lady had a full-on bobcat in her basement swear to god me and my brother was on the news for that talking about that she had a full-on bobcat as a pet like she was just getting money just getting money had a bobcat as a pet i swear to god like she was just getting money just traffic all the time but it was the kind of traffic where you know she was getting packs off to dealers like when nobody coming to her house like fiends wouldn't come into her house like that you know what i'm saying it'd be different kind of whips pulling up all the time fly ass whips so you know she was just getting packs off but yeah them boys got her and then she had a, a goddamn bobcat in the basement as a pet like i'm telling you, it was just it was so much money but people felt so fucking helpless but i just feel like i'm ranting and telling just some old stories and shit like that um but i just want to show you and paint that picture of how the 90s were for me growing up you know what i'm saying uh in the late 80s you just there was just times where you just couldn't even go outside after a certain time you know what i'm saying just because of drive-bys or you know fiends being out and shit like that you didn't know what the fuck a fiend was gonna do most crackheads is harmless like now you got fucking meth heads and shit like that and these pill poppers them motherfuckers dangerous a fucking meth head is dangerous but you know it was just people felt like they didn't have a choice so the government gave them a choice you know what I'm saying? So then you hit start having these businesses investing in prisons and shit like that. And it just turned into, you know, just it was the new Jim Crow, you know, like Michelle Alexander said. Um, but I just hate to see people. It was just, it's just too much to tweet and respond to people on Twitter just to see them try to minimize how raw the 80s and 90s were. Right. So leading up to that 94 crime bill, motherfuckers was just so goddamn fed up that it was just like okay i support this i support this go ahead jim crow joe go ahead bill clinton go ahead you know he played that saxophone and led niggas into prison by the hundreds of thousands right and um so now you had them blue check blacks you know just you know they just love to say you know they they start speaking on uh like niggas deserve to be in jail like that you know like shit like that so that's what you kind of seeing right now so you're seeing this argument which is you know nefarious on both sides right so you got people minimalizing it and you got people over sensationalizing it right um uh, and so i understand 
black folks feeling like they don't you know like okay i have to support kamala you know she's a she went to a hbcu she's an aka you know pink and green ski we all this other shit you know so um it's one of those things where i just don't want us to fall into that obama trap again you know what i'm saying obama didn't do a goddamn thing for us but he did offer hope uh for our children right so i know if i was a child seeing obama i'd be like oh this is the greatest shit on the fucking planet earth but at the same time we need to be thinking about politicians offering us tangible resources right so right now what we're hung up on is 2020 right so we're hung up on you know we got to choose between jim crow joe and uh goddamn the cheeto in chief right and we know what we're getting with trump we're just getting a uh egomaniac a racist you know uh egomaniac right um but we have to remember that trump is using the tools provided to him by people like uh jim crow joe right so he's just utilizing those tools to uh further push his uh white utopia agenda right and um under the guise of nationalism like extreme nationalism uh, uh patriotism turns into jingoism which turns into fascism right so the thing is we're hung up on you know pulling up jim crow joe's receipts pulling up uh kamala the cop harris receipts and most and so we're on this same shit again that we were on in 2016 uh how we were pulling up the super predator shit with hillary clinton and the, the sins of her husband and all this other shit so we're still hung up on this shit because we haven't learned a goddamn thing right and what i mean that we haven't learned a goddamn thing is we're still reacting instead of being proactive right so right now at this very fucking moment we should be thinking about 2024 this shit is a wash right 2020 is a wash right the presidential presidential election 2020 is a wash because black folks we didn't do the work right only thing that we did was yell out slogans and judge folks that's it right so we should be thinking about 2024 and we have to do the work meaning we have to create our super packs that's what the fuck we need to do and we need to be grooming our next presidential candidate I don't give a fuck if it's a Democrat or Republican. We have to start grooming them now. We have to think about 2024. We can't get hung up on, oh, uh, Jim Crow Joe did this. Kamala the cop did this. Uh, you have to vote for them because uh, Donald Trump is bad and blah, blah, blah. And all this other shit, right? Same shit that happened to black folks under uh, Trump happened under Obama, right? Cop killing still the same, you know cops beating the shit out of us we still out in these streets protesting you know what i'm saying ferguson happened under obama baltimore happened under obama when he called those uh those school kids thugs and the same shit happened under uh donald trump right tomato tomato both of them tomatoes right both of them are fruits or vegetables however you want to look at a tomato or a tomato right so we need to be looking at 2024 and grooming candidates and come up with an actual fucking plan right so we started getting our um the reparations talk started making it to the mainstream right it, it really started coming to the mainstream and then that's when you had that clip of uh, kamala harris uh talking about no i'm not gonna do anything specifically for black folks no you know so that came back to haunt her right but we need a specific plan 
what does it look like how much is it i didn't see motherfuckers talk about reparations should be you know a hundred thousand dollars for black folks and then i seen somebody else say it should be eight hundred thousand dollars we need to be on the same page of how much it should be and what it looks like in payments right i don't want to hear shit about some goddamn college and all this other bullshit no it needs to be in cold hard cash and land right that's the only other thing that i will take is land besides cash right that's personally to me so i know some of y'all listening like man fuck that just cut the check okay we need to get on the same page then does it just look like a cash payment right and we need to create a super pack a super pack is a group of people who basically uh put money towards a candidate to push their agenda that's all a super pack is that's it so we need to be thinking about 2024 looking at some of these congressmen and women and these uh senators whoever's up on capitol hill and who will be old enough to run for president in 2024 and who can push our agenda so you have to look at some of these progressive candidates uh or semi-progressive candidates or somebody who can just be flat out bought we cannot get hung up bitching and complaining for the next three and a half years and then they give us some more shitty candidates because we didn't even choose our own candidates that is my biggest issue we didn't learn shit from 2016 because we're doing the same thing in 2020 so we need to be thinking about 2024 i don't give a fuck if you don't vote or not because i mean we survived this we're surviving a pandemic uh we're trying to fight the good fight on our own but the thing is we really need to start prepping for 2024 24 that's the main goal that's where black folks heads should be like this shit is a wash we have to stop letting them give us these shitty ass candidates right now there's a group of people uh planning out what they're going to do for 2024 right now and we need to be that same group be on the same page as that group or in at least the same fucking chapter is that group that's planning for 2024 pulling our resources together creating a super pack getting the agenda out there and following dr claude anderson's uh tips um from uh powernomics that's what the fuck we need to be doing we need to focus on 2024 right and we need to focus on you know getting the senate in our back pockets too so once these these bills come up they can be signed into fucking law to protect us this is what we need to we get so hung up on fucking reacting because they give us these shitty ass candidates because we didn't groom and uh elevate anybody to push our agenda but i'm gonna leave it to my nigga hove um hove what you gotta say hey by the way hove that song that entrepreneur shit that you got with pharrell that you dropped last friday that ain't it chief but anyways uh hove what you gotta say don't be the next get tested on that summer jam screen i smoke rocks i smoke rocks all right thank you so much tyrone bickums for that lovely intro of selling hope like damn dope uh selling hope like dope we have to give it to our good old mayor here locally mean gene stothard um with all the civil unrest and what has been ha what has been happening in um omaha with the protests it's just been you know protest after protest and uh really calling the uh the local government out on their uh, racism their biases and um just their unfair treatment of non-whites here in the city uh the mayor was just like okay let me give you a negro so they gave us a uh, keith station 
right? So uh, he's going to be the city. They created a new um, job, uh, a new um, department, whatever you want to call it. And his brother's running it named Key Station. It's the City Diversity, Equality and Inclusion Officer. And so basically the mean gene said that uh, it's going to be uh, his whole job is to create or to focus on building a more inclusive city government and city. And so basically he's trying to uh, he said he's going to plan bias training for all city employees and help expand racial diversity across all departments, including police and fire. And he uh, hopes to put forth policies that encourage diversity practices. We'll see how far that nigga gets, because um, so many times we used to have a um, I forgot the, what the woman's name was, but she was like an independent. She was an auditor. She was an independent auditor. And she and you could go to her instead of the police um, to basically file complaints uh, against the police city officials fire department just local government officials and you know what they did they got rid of that woman she was here for like a couple years and then all of a sudden i think was it jim subtle or fahey mike fahey got, one of them got rid of her okay so they got rid of the independent auditor so this this is just putting a band-aid on the problem they're gonna put a negro in a position where he really can't do shit but he's gonna say some nice fancy words and they're talking about diversity and inclusion and shit like that when they speak on racial diversity diversity um whether racially or just in general it just means anybody that's not a straight white man that's what it means so you're probably going to just see a bunch of gay white men in these positions of power or in these high paying positions uh, all throughout the city. Um, I would like to sit down and talk with the brother, but it is what it is. Um, I just don't believe it. Uh, you know, Mayor uh, Mean Jean Stothard says one thing and then, you know, she does something else. You know what I'm saying? And so um, there was an amendment uh, to allocate... Uh, to take uh, 1.85 million out of the um, the cash reserve of the city to basically have like a workforce amendment. It was a workforce amendment, and it was uh, basically to um, excuse me for workforce development and to have uh, so a workforce development, mental health workforce training, and to provide uh, a salary for a part-time city of Omaha health director. Because right now we got the Douglas County health director who's acting as a city of Omaha health director. Um, and so Mean Gene was just like, no, we need to, basically said, uh, no one can anticipate what may happen in 2021, just as no one could have anticipated what has occurred this year. So they need to keep that money in the reserve. And um, what's funny about that, she's trying to use the COVID as an excuse. But the Douglas County Board just approved 30 million dollars coming to the city from that 166 million in federal funds for COVID relief. So 30 million of that is coming to Omaha to keep us afloat. So I'm just trying to figure out, okay, you know, is it Uchiwali or is it one Mike? Like, help me out here. Like, you talking about you want to build up the reserve, but at the same time, here you are taking COVID funds, you know, federal funds to help keep us afloat. So where is this $30 million going? But my thing is the amendment that was um, posted uh, or brought 
to the city brought before the city council and to the mayor um it didn't have too much of a specific plan and you have to remember when you're dealing with white people they need to see the data they need to see it on paper it needs to be written down and it needs to be verified by other white people right so mayor Stothard even said you know she criticized the uh, workforce amendment because it did not specify the recipients of about one and a half million dollars worth of it and it did not say how the funds would be spent right so whatchamacallit uh dr joy degru who does uh post-traumatic slave disorder where she brought that theory on and you know teaching black folks how to heal and things of that sort she has a wellness wednesdays and she was talking about education uh on one of her wellness wednesdays with her daughter her daughter finding a mug though but that's neither here nor there but i just felt like y'all needed to say it just in case y'all some fellas need something to look at but you gaining some knowledge at the same time right daughter just fine but anyways um so dr joy was talking about education and how she's uh when she's dealing with her grandkids teachers how um she's very involved and a lot of times the teachers will be kind of annoyed with her until she breaks down the data. But she also breaks it down in a way where she actually has the resources, uh, the paperwork uh, to back up different studies and then a study to back up that study to show, you know, the school to prison pipeline and how white teachers will, you know, consciously or uncon or subconsciously miseducate uh black children or non-white children on purpose well not on purpose or by mistake uh just thinking that you know non-white children cannot learn as well as white children and things of that sorts uh just be uh just due to um their uh just how you know the white teacher was brought up you know could have been like uh, not not a diverse area you know not knowing people of color or non-white folks at all and shit like that so she breaks it down to those teachers at the beginning of the year like i'm gonna be a hands-on grandparent here's the data that shows this here's the data to back up that data here's a research study and then she she just breaks it down to them in a way that they understand right so that's what i was saying back why we need to be looking ahead to 2024 when it comes to uh, having a presidential candidate uh, that's going to push a black agenda. You know what I'm saying? It has to be written down and it has to be in a way that they understand, right? It has to be in paperwork and shit like that. And that also reminds me of um, Mark Zuckerberg when uh, he, he got this big ass house in Hawaii, but the native Hawaiians are just like, yo, you can't have your big ass home here because we this has been passed down through our family for generations and generations and he's just like well let me see the paperwork you know what i'm saying is is and uh dr nilly uh not doctor but nilly fuller the great uh um the great theorist or um social uh he's not a doctor but just uh, a social theorist you know uh who basically told us the first person to tell us that racism is a system and it's not just you know i don't like you and all this other shit but he talks about how white men value a piece of paper and a signature you know what i'm saying that is worth more than gold at times you know so you look at these hawaiian folks uh you know who 
had this land for generations then all of a sudden the u.s takes over and it's just like well you don't own this anymore you know this deed says that we own it and what you gonna do about it you know what i'm saying so it's just like you know fuck your birthright fuck your whole family but when we're coming up with these plans and dealing with these politicians we have to stop dealing with emotion and trying to appeal to their humanity another thing that dr joy degrew says uh when she teaches post-traumatic slave syndrome is uh, a lot of times uh white uh attendees and students will ask her well you're telling us you know how it how it impacted uh, black americans and uh, uh you know africans across the diaspora how did it impact us white people and she just tells them simply it it robbed you of your hum- humanity you cannot show empathy or sympathy for someone who does not look like you and i'm like that's deep and that's what we that's where we keep on making the mistake we think that you know dr king you know the marches and getting their ass whooped on the uh, edmund pettus bridge you know it appealed to the humanity of these white folks when it really was like bus boycotts hitting them economically and then you had people like the deacons for defense out here armed about that life same with robert f williams you don't need to look him up this brother was very very well versed in uh the second amendment and fighting the good fight and so we 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 only look at the cliffs notes of the civil rights movement when they don't tell you the whole story you know so that's why we still out here marching praying holding vigils and up here just trying to appeal to those in power's humanity when they lack that empathy for us so that's why you have to come with the plan you have to be robotic with these people very black and white cut and dry you know you have to deal with the with them with them uh a with them is something that they teach uh you in management i've i've been in retail management since i was you know 18 years old from like 18 up until about 10 years 18 to 28 until i you know started working other blue collar jobs but they teach you with them when you're dealing with employees or or management or you're trying to get something across a with them is what's in it for me so you have to sell it in a way where it's benefiting uh, the person working under you or the person working above you, how it's going to uh, impact the bottom line and help the company or help that person uh, grow and excel or get the credit when you're dealing with somebody in power. You know what I'm saying? It's egos aside. You need to get this mission done. Uh, the person in power can take all the credit for it. But we know behind closed doors, you did all the work. But the outcome is greater than the applause. So that's when we that's what we really have to start dealing with and um, and stop accepting bullshit uh, because politicians know that uh, black people and Latino people, uh, Hispanic folks are brown brothers and sisters we are familial people we value family and friendships and relationships over the conquest of things and um, non-human objects you know what i'm saying so they will listen to you spew your guts out about how you beating us up uh depriving us of resources and shit like that Mm, i i understand i'll see what i can do Mm -hmm. politicians know that they know they will do that but we have to start coming up with a definitive plan and like i said be robotic be black and white and have a with them 
what's in it for me or what's in it for them like so we're speaking to uh we're speaking truth to power we're bringing up you know our claims to what needs to be hap to happen for us to actually um receive some american equity you know what i'm saying so it has to be a definitive plan and uh, i know a lot of people don't like the movie selma but what selma did it showed how dr king and his whole squad were basically up burning the midnight oil breaking down laws and shit like that you know what i'm saying so the marches got the attention but then they were having those meetings behind closed doors but to prepare for them uh, closed door meetings they were breaking down laws and how it was impacting them you see what i'm saying so that's what we have to do and that's what we keep on forgetting because after you do a march a protest you yell at a cop call him a pig or a cracker or a city official you feel good about yourself but two weeks later you know another brother or sister gets gunned down you see what i'm saying and so it's like oh let's start this all over again it's like watching the nba here these these brothers are millionaires multi-millionaires and they up here talking about uh with the brother jacob blake got shot uh seven times in his back and he's paralyzed from the waist down they up here talking about well we might boycott a game and shit like that and it's just like um uh you could you know donate some funds to some people doing the groundwork grassroots wise you know you could um you know basically just help out financially you know kind of undercover like booker t washington used to do um just help out some radical groups that's actually doing some radical change you see what i'm saying donate some of that money but you want to boycott a game or take a knee or wear a cute t-shirt or a jersey or some shit like that and you know just we're, we're bringing it to light nigga the shit been to light since goddamn you know the fucking 60s you know what i'm saying this shit has been i mean shit in the fucking uh in the fucking 90s you seen rodney king get his ass whooped you know and then 2000s uh we were reading about it in the papers and shit like that now we got these cell phones every fucking day we're seeing somebody getting murked or getting fucking abused you see what i'm saying the attention is already there the, the the people on the grassroots is doing that i mean who are you trying to appeal to you know what i'm saying that's what's just frustrating to me is these athletes act like they don't know what they can't what they can and can't do i see lebron james is doing this thing as far as uh he has an organization that's going to help people get to the polls and things like that and that's dope but why aren't we thinking about 2024 and you know getting a candidate in our back pocket instead of them giving us feeding us candidates you know what i'm saying so that's that i just you know it's one of those things where i'm like well i guess that's why they're an athlete you know and not you know out here really doing the groundwork you know they out here marching and stuff like that but we have to move past that and actually sit down you know with these politicians and things like that or they could actually fund think tanks you see what i'm saying but i mean it's just up to us the people on the grassroots people at the at the bottom you know what i'm saying to actually start implementing this change and we can pull our resource resources together and create super packs because i mean uh you know a few years ago athletes were scared to you know stand up for something politically and it took colin kaepernick to get blackballed for you know half these athletes to even you know sit a fire off a tweet or something but i mean i know this whole podcast is politically charged but we have to you know continue to mature politically but 
City of Omaha, Mayor Mean Gene Stothard is selling hope like damn dope. This portion of Do Rags and Boat Shoes has been brought to you by the letter L, as in, hey, yo, my guy, my hands are full. Give me a hand here. Can you hold this L? All right, so holding this L, I know it's been a minute since I've been back, but uh, did y'all watch that movie on Netflix, uh, Fatal Affair uh, with uh, Omar Epps and uh, what's Shorty name? I forgot her name. Uh, what is Shorty's name? Nia Long. And uh, that was a bad, bad movie, man. Like, that was a bad movie. I saw a meme that said, <laughs> it said if they didn't want to do that movie, they should have just said something then. Because that, both of them were phoning it in. You had Omar trying to be like this crazy ex-stalker boyfriend and all this other shit. And if y'all haven't seen Fatal Affair, like, you be trying to support <laughs> black cinema, but it just be like, yo, like, what the fuck, man? Like, we, we sitting up here watching it, and it was just, it felt like uh, one of them old school Cinemax movies that come on, uh, you know, on a, on a Saturday night or a Friday night. It's like the movie of the week, but it was just like an upgraded Lifetime movie. Uh, based, <laughs> it was just so bad. And the movie could have been over in 15 minutes. And so basically, um, she runs into her old boyfriend. Nia Long runs into her old, no, a college friend, even. And she's married and shit like that. And this nigga's going to therapy. Omar Epps, he's the ex, he's the ex friend from uh, college or whatever. And uh, she works at a law firm. And he's like a cyber expert in security or something like that and uh you know she's working on a case and the firm brings him in and you know first he's all like a gentleman shit that's how most most creeps be start off like super nice and shit and he's like oh damn you looking real good it's nice to see you blah 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 then they go out for drinks and shit she's having problems in her marriage naturally you know that's always happens and uh so they go out have drinks at this club and shit and then next thing you know um you know they pushing up on each other they about to get it in in the bathroom because they drunk as a skunk and you know going off that yak ready to throw it back and so but then she stops like no nah, i'm married blah 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 and then he's like okay cool and then she just starts she like yo we can't do this blah 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 we got to keep the relationship professional he's like all right you know cool he's still trying to shoot his shot and shit like that and she just blocks him then all of a sudden this nigga pop up at the crib because he's dating her best friend and so now now the best friend on some oh you just jealous bitch and blah 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 you know all that kind of sucker shit but the first scene when he comes up in the crib it's like Mia Long all she had to do was just tell her husband like yo this is an old flame or an old uh, friend from college and all this other shit you know we got drunk this motherfucker pushed up on me I don't feel comfortable with, up with him in my house movie would have been over you know husband would be like man get the fuck out boom that's it but they just drug that shit out on some fatal attraction type shit and it just me along was not convincing at all Omar Epps he wasn't convincing at all it was just a very bad movie but I wish I would have watched it when I was going off some edibles or something like that I would have really enjoyed my shit then you know what I'm saying I should have had a drink or two or something watching that shit because watching that shit sober with a clear mind you just like what the fuck but um yeah, I wanted to make it a lighthearted L just because Summer Jam and Selling Hope Like Dope was so damn heavy. But, uh, you know, as long as the check clears, I get it. You know, the the um, 
the the names alone brought in a lot of viewers with that fatal affair movie i remember when i saw the preview i sent it to my wife i was like oh shit this shit about to be lady two titty you know what i'm saying but that shit was trash uh fatal affair hold this l get your mans you win perfect all right so moving on to not all heroes wear capes uh first things first we have to give it to the brother uh senator ernie chambers uh he is stepping down after this year of serving 46 years up on capitol hill as a, a state senator always oh, representing the north side and uh for the people you know um who really didn't have a voice um just a great great man um uh, just once in a time lawmaker um Man, he just always tried to do right by the people. Just always, always, always. And, um, you know, he always said that he stood up for the least, the last, and the lost. You know, whether black or not. Um, he just always had poor people's backs. Uh, you know, he got his start, you know, as a barber down on the deuce. And uh, he was a civil rights activist, you know, and then, you know, he graduated and was like, OK, well, let me try to make some changes up on Capitol Hill. And he's just been holding it down for 46 years. So first he got termed out about what seven, eight years ago, and then came back, uh, came back to win it. Uh, and now he's about to be termed out again, which is makes him the first politician to be termed out twice. And what's funny about Ernie Chambers, that brother stays, stays in a sweatshirt T-shirt. That brother, every time you see him up on Capitol Hill, ain't got a suit on or nothing. He has on a, a sweatshirt T-shirt. And it don't matter if it's 100 degrees outside or it's negative two. That brother be up on Capitol Hill with a sweatshirt T-shirt on. But uh, he's 83 right now. And um, one of his uh, major claims of uh, was about five years ago. He uh, worked with those on the right and the left to uh, repeal the, uh, the death penalty. Um, you know, he even got, like I said, he got those on the right to join him and they, uh, repealed it and they over, overrode, uh, uh, the, uh, hot dog governor Pete Ricketts, uh, veto. And it, it only lasted a year, which sucked because I still feel like this was illegal. Um, the governor who's a billionaire, uh, Pete Ricketts, he financed a referendum petition and he, uh, to put the issue back on the ballot. And uh, so Senator Chambers, you know, was trying to, you know, say that that's illegal for, you know, a politician to basically put something, a petition out, uh, you know, a referendum to get something back on the ballot. It's like you that's never heard before. Um, but, you know, they got it. They got the death penalty, you know, back legalized and shit like that. And then the state of Nebraska was actually being investigated, still being investigated by the feds because they executed uh, Carrie Dean Moore uh, through lethal injection. Um, and it was the first execution in about 21 years here in the state. But they uh, was trying to figure out where the fuck did they get the fentanyl from? That's what they were trying to figure. The feds were trying to figure out, especially in this opioid crisis. Uh, they were trying to figure out, like, where the fuck did you get this from? This, it just seemed very shady. They're trying to figure out who is Nebraska, the state's uh, uh, correctional facilities, uh, who is their supplier for fentanyl. 
but that was one thing you know even though it was a short-lived he was happy about that and uh another big thing um was just uh, a passage of laws that required the required uh district elections for the school board uh city council and douglas county uh, board you know requiring you know district elections and that basically it gave us you know people the community to you know get folks in there that look like us you know what i'm saying and then in ninth around 1980 before i was even born this was had like a domino effect um he pushed for a resolution that basically made nebraska the first state to you know divest from businesses that was operating in apartheid south africa and um you know basically it pressured the country to do away with the system of state imposed you know racial segregation and discrimination so yeah that's crazy and then what was one more oh and then that beatrice case uh with the beatrice six um and it's basically he implemented a law that requires the state to test dna evidence if it was unavailable at the time of a trial and could uh, exonerate a defendant which is very very important um let's see here let's see what else uh he banned corporal punishment in public schools uh he eliminated the sales tax on groceries uh required the grand jury investigations of deaths of people while in police custody and established a uh, government liability for bystanders injured in police chases uh but that eliminating the sales tax on groceries was huge very huge uh that brother done a lot of work man you can just see him just out and about you know just shooting the shit with everybody he still be out here at protests this man 83 and it's always been power to the people with that man so shout out to ernie chambers uh much love and respect to that brother you know still out here fighting the good fight um and also we're gonna put up on not all heroes wear capes uh master p uh, percy miller did y'all see that great amazing uh cinematic masterpiece uh the documentary series uh on the no limit that was that was amazing i was happy to be home on paternity leave to catch all those episodes live every wednesday i was so happy to catch those instead of catching a playback and you know being on twitter and shit like that and you know getting ruined i did not know that p just had he was out in cali out in richmond california up by the bay i didn't know he was out there so tough that's where he really started his music career like that because it was getting hot down in uh down in the no and uh yeah his lady had some people up there and she was just like yo let's just go up to cali you know what i'm saying uh head up to the bay area and that's where he really got started and he was wor working with rappers like rapping Fote and shit like that and other bay area legends i can't think of none off the top of my head but that was surprising to me because i was just i just thought he always because you never really heard about that in interviews and shit because he repped the south so goddamn tough you know what i'm saying but that's really where he really got his start and the music really didn't pick up until he really started you know fucking with uh you know uh beats by the pound and shit like that but he had a bunch of albums out that you know that was in the bay area and shit like that and i i just didn't know he was he was down like that and i just thought that was dope and then he opened up for uh for tupac and shit like that out in cali and i was just like yo you just hearing those stories was just amazing and to um also 
uh just kind of relive that and just be like i was you know this is where i was at i was in junior high you know you know we used to be collecting those no limit records like uh like baseball cards and uh they were talking about his priority deal and how it was like an 80 20 deal and it was mainly just distribution but what was so fucking dope was he uh you know they were selling out the trunk and shit like that and uh he had these offers on the table and i, I forgot which i think it was jimmy Iveen offered him a million dollars uh you know and he just was like you know i'm gonna go to lunch and i'm gonna think about it he was like you leave out that door you know you consider this deal ripped up or whatever and uh you consider the deal you passed on it so he just left anyway because he's thinking if they're gonna pay me a million dollars this must be worth you know tens of millions of dollars or a hundred million dollars or something like that and so um you know that's when he uh he basically paid michael jackson's lawyer 25 grand business lawyer to sit down and talk with him and give him some game and he gave him some game on a distribution deal and that's when they went to priority and them them niggas was churning out hits no limit the tank was they was you know it was albums going gold platinum double platinum and it was they was just killing it and uh they were talking about how um how they had to you know they would be in one room let knock that wrote a verse knocked it out then they go to another room knock out a verse and it was just like a hit factory just going in when they had beats by the pound and uh, then he was talking about how he got snoop up off of death row and how death row records and how snoop was about to he basically saved snoop life because snoop was about to drop him out album called fuck death row or some shit like that and he's just like no nah, you don't want to do that and uh he went and talked to uh suge in prison and uh he was like yo we want to get snoop over here and uh basically how it happened was snoop was gonna jump on i think a mystical record or a silk the shocker record i can't remember and he was so fucked up in the game it was like how much you want for a verse and he was like 3500 you know because he just you know was trying to get by fucking p wrote him a check for thirty five thousand dollars. i was like god that's that's some real shit right there you think you about to just get three three stacks you know what i'm saying three and a half stacks and then you get 35 stacks you know uh so that was dope to hear that and he said he went and talked to um uh, suge in prison and you know suge you know he was like i'll give you one point whatever for it and you know actually ended up spending almost two million dollars to get snoop up out of his contract and um you know uh snoop was talking about how you know how they had this estate in this part of louisiana where all these white folks stayed at but they just had all these houses you know no limit had all these houses like yo pick a house you know and here's a car is a fly ass car and here's a big check and he's like you want a gun or something like that and he's like no nah, i ain't trying to fuck with that but still i'm gonna get you you know he got him and his wife some cars or some shit like that and they all everybody was paid fair and what was crazy about uh p was uh anytime an artist just left the label like once it started kind of dwindling down you know niggas start getting arrested like Kane and abel they got wrapped up in some rico shit um you know see murder you know catching all them cases and shit like that uh he, he would just you know or if they wanted off the label he just ripped up their contract and that was it you know he was just done with them it wouldn't be no shit like well you owe me two three albums and shit like that he just shot business fair and what was crazy about uh i remember before uh 
before he signed Snoop and before Suge went to jail, it was a situation where uh, he was out in Cali living and shit like that. And he started making a name for himself. P was really gaining some traction. And then uh, he said Suge called him and said, you know, Cali ain't big enough for both of us. And uh, P was like, well, when you moving? And like Master P and all the Miller boys are straight G's, like just straight up gangsters. And um I thought they was going to talk about uh, his incident with Pimp C like later on when they beat the shit out of Pimp C because Pimp C was talking crazy about the tank, but they, they didn't bring that up, I think, out of respect for the dead, though, rest in peace to Pimp C. But uh, the story was uh, Pimp C was talking crazy about him at a show, and uh, he he think that No Limit owed, them, owed him some money or something for some verses or some beats or something. And uh, P came in there with some gangs, uh, with a gang of people or something, and they beat the fuck out of him. And Master P put on some boxing gloves and, you know, tightened them up, you know, in that hotel room. But, you know, uh, Pimp didn't, he didn't want that smoke, so he just let it be what it is and called it a damn day. And he, because he even admitted to, you can find old interviews or uh, articles and shit where he's just like, yeah, I was, you know, going off that lean, you know, I was on one, you know, I'd be, I'd my, my, my mouth get me in trouble. But uh, just watching that documentary just really was like, yo, P was really out here doing it. Like he was really out here fucking doing it. Just killing the game and just amazing. I loved it. Loved the whole documentary series. They did a Rough Riders one. I really wasn't too interested in that. Uh, I might, you know, catch it on on demand or some shit like that. But that Master P documentary was just amazing. Just amazing. And what was sad was... uh hear him talk about c murder like y'all see on twitter now that c murder is back in the cory miller he's back in the news because uh monica and kim kardashian are working to get him out of prison and how he got convicted was kind of fucked up and i thought it was weird in that documentary that they had the bouncer that kind of snitched on him uh to be in a documentary talking and shit like that he was talking about he was tricked and all this other shit i'm like okay whatever nigga but what was so crazy about c murder was that nigga still had a had a, a apartment in the projects and he just loved being in the fucking hood like here he he's making millions of dollars him and his brothers they run in a multi-million dollar corporation you know uh you know just fucking nine figure corporation uh, uh label and he's still out here just doing just hood ass shit running around in the projects and shit like that like he just loved the hood but he was also i think it was he was a desert storm veteran too so that could fuck what fucked up his head too you know coming home shit like that and you know him just always wanting to be in turmoil and struggling shit like that but uh it was just amazing to me that this man got a big ass mansion and shit like that but he still got an apartment in the fucking projects like yo what the fuck are you doing you know, and he was always in situations where, you know, folks going to test his gangster or, you know, just, you know, being out here with riff raff and people looking at you like you a meal and shit like that. So it's just wild. And just how he got convicted was just off his lyrics. That's it. And uh, they they had his trial in a racist ass county in uh, in Louisiana and uh, all white jury. They just basically put his uh, lyrics on trial. And that's what got him uh, locked up in the state pen, which is crazy as fuck. But um, yeah, y'all watch that documentary if you can. It might be floating online somewhere, but it was fire. It was dope. 
and uh, it was just dope to just see how much of a hustler uh, Master P was. And um, but man, yeah, that made me just go back and download a bunch of old albums and music on my phone and shit like that. I was like, oh, I forgot all about this song, but it was dope to just go down memory lane and shit like that. But yeah, just shout out to uh, Ernie Chambers and uh, Master P. Not all heroes wear capes. All right, so moving on to the last segment of the show, health over wealth. You know what I say, without your health, you cannot enjoy your wealth. Now, this quote has been flying around recently, and I think people need to adhere to it and, uh, excuse me, practice it in their everyday lives. You know what it is? Mind the business that pays you. Uh, Just seeing recently uh, with the um, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion song, WAP, just seeing how many negroes came up out the woodwork to uh claim that they were they found jesus and they're nothing but virgins and policing women's bodies uh just shut the fuck up like it was so many people talking about oh it's such a disgusting song it's terrible blah 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 but you know you was out here busting it wide open to goddamn thong song like just chill out just shut the fuck up and cool the fuck out you know so many people are so goddamn prude and y'all be on there be on facebook talking about how wet and gushy your pussy is but then you know you see a wop come out and he's just like oh my god this is so crass and disgusting and it's just like okay you need to chill out and then you got these men coming out, you know, talking about they want, you know, they, they could go for some woman sitting on their face. And then WAP comes out all of a sudden, man, these hoes ain't shit, bruh. These hoes ain't shit. And they can literally make that Facebook status or Twitter status or put it on Instagram. And you go look at their stories on Instagram and Facebook and they got a meme talking about how they like the fupa, the fat upper pussy area. You know, she got to have a fat pussy and all this other stuff. It's, it's just just mind the business that pays you and uh, let them women cook. Let them be empowered because, you know, uh, and this goes back. This reminds me of like back in the day uh, when I was a lot younger, you know, when you'd be knocking down a girl or something like that and you just keep that shit to yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just so you can keep on hitting it and shit like that. You don't kink shame her or nothing like that. You know, but you get so many Negroes, so many half ass men or boys at the time, they would, you know, knock down the chick. Hey bro, she she man, she was sucking dick and licking balls, nigga. She even licked my ass crack, nigga. You know what I'm saying? And just she a nasty bitch. And you know, it just and then you wonder why you can't hit that again. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of them things where it's just like okay just stop stop with the kink shaming stop you know being offended when a when a woman speaks sexually or takes you know ownership of her sexuality and shit like that it's just i don't know it's just like sometimes negroes just they just turn into a whole different beast once a woman comes out you know talking that talk but uh anyways this has been episode 179 of do rags and boat shoes nothing but love and respect for the family out there and i'm sorry for the wait i know y'all got some good game i'm gonna be more active on uh instagram 
and uh yeah so make sure y'all follow me on instagram at do rags and boat shoes uh make sure that y'all follow the do rags and boat shoes page on facebook i'm very active on there uh just keeping y'all updated of uh you know events and shit like that and goings ons in the community and as always i love y'all and i will holler at y'all all right one